Welcome everybody to episode six of the Fitness Devil You Know podcast. We're pleased to announce that we're finally up on iTunes podcast app. So please go there, subscribe, uh, download the previous episodes, give us a five-star review and uh, and write us a review. We'd really appreciate that. That helps us a ton. Today's episode has a local Edmonton trainer, Jordan Jeske, appearing. And he's going to talk about his golf society, uh, mindset, performance, and a whole array of other really cool fitness-related stuff. So uh, stick around and enjoy. Shut up and sit down. Hi, everybody. We are recording episode number six with Jordan Jeske, and we're going to talk about golf, community, performance, and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. So uh, let's just get right to it and welcome Jordan. So a little, little bit about Jordan real quick. He grew up in Edmonton, uh, played uh, junior football locally for the Huskies, and now he's a personal trainer, big specialty in golf performance, and he's actually the creator of the Golf Society. So Jordan, I'll get you to tell us a little bit more about some of that. And just to stop, I played for the Wildcats, so we have a lifelong clash of personalities. I hate him, he hates me, but we'll put it aside for this podcast. Yeah, we won't look each other in the eyes during this podcast. For the five people who actually know what that means or gives a shit, so. (laughs) Fuck Jordan. All right, so, (laughs) yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about the Golf Society, and we'll just roll from there. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I guess the Golf Society came from... um, I don't know, a necessity, I guess, or an idea of to just grow the the, the game in Edmonton. Um, for me, um, it was about just trying to change the game a little bit. The game is kind of slowing down a little bit. For those people that aren't kind of really into it, it's expensive. It's uh, it takes a long time to play if you're playing 18 holes. Um, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. You yep. get a lot of people. You know, and I love golf, and I, I take it seriously when I'm on the course. I also have some fun. I have some fun with the boys, obviously. Um, but there's also this atmosphere of, you know, be quiet and this, um, and all the, the rules and all that sort of stuff. And so my thing, even though I, I love the integrity of that and I appreciate that and that's a passion of mine, I also wanted to grow the game in a different way to other people who don't play golf and who find it intimidating, who don't have the money to play as much as they'd like to get better. Um, so the golf society came out of an idea of to change the game. So, it's it's a way for us to bring the community together through events that are influenced by golf. So the very first event we did this year was a mini golf event. So I was actually having uh, some beers with a buddy of mine, Jody, and we're on the patio. And I'm like, man, I was like, we got to do something fun. Like, how can we grow the game? Kind of what I do professionally in, on the fitness side of things with golf um, to kind of events and different things like that and with the community. So we kind of came up with this idea of doing a mini golf tournament. Were you drinking? What's that? Were you drinking? Oh, yeah, 100%. Awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're having beers. He's in the middle of the summer. It was great. <laughs> And, uh, so, so I had my first event this past May and it was called the Chubbs Championship Mini Golf Tournament. So anyone who doesn't know who Chubbs is, he's the caddy from Happy Gilmore. I was going to say, he's the <laughs> caddy from Happy Gilmore and he has a fake hand, wooden hand. And the trophy was actually a wooden hand that I, I made out of two by four. And I broke one of the fingers and painted it and all that sort of stuff. But we ended up having 40 golfers on a bus. We went to three different mini golf courses in Edmonton. It was a two person match play. And the lowest score, combined score out of the three um, courses, won. And we went back to the pint afterwards, had a bunch of prizes, and kind of continued on the night. So that was our first event that we did. We maxed out the bus of 40 golfers, and that was perfect. Kind of landed the way I wanted it to. And then I always had this vision of uh, doing, uh, creating a Top Golf style event. Top Golf in Edmonton, or 
Top Golf is a driving range in the United States. They're actually bringing it to Canada now where it was kind of like this bowling for golf. So they have a bunch of targets out in the driving range. There, it's all um, you know, computer screens. There's chips in the ball. So as soon as it lands somewhere, there's a point associated with that. And there's games and things like that you can play. And then there's couches and TV and a bar in the back and things like that. That sounds like, awesome. Yeah. Tons <laughs> of fun. And a lot of the people that I talked to, I'd never actually been to it yet and still haven't. But they're like, every single time you go, there's a different demographic. There's families. There's kids. There's, you know, bachelor parties, bachelor parties. It doesn't matter who you are. People dressed up. People who are cash. And so... I was like, ah, we got to do that here in Edmonton. So we ended up going to, um, I approached the city of Edmonton to do a top golf style event at the uh, Victoria Driving Range, which is right in the heart of the city, which was perfect for it. Um, so we kind of put that together. We had the idea and we approached them, but then we really only had two, two and a half months to put it together, find sponsors. So I, I rented out the Victoria Driving Range uh, with the help from my buddy Keenan Pascal. And we, uh, we re- uh, rented um, a bunch of furniture. Uh, we've got DJs, a bunch of stuff in there. So we ended up creating this. We ended up having it on a candidate because we thought that was a perfect time to bring this together. And uh, yeah, we had we created a, a, a game. So I created a bunch of targets, new targets for the drive range. We created a, a scoring system. So we had a VIP area yeah. with uh, had seating, soft seating, um, bartenders and things like that. And then we had another area where we brought in picnic tables, umbrellas and stuff. And then we had prizes and things like that throughout the night. It's like party golf. And then party one, golf. one before that was like a pub crawl golf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's creating this kind of soft yeah, yeah. atmosphere for golf where people are like, hey, I'm not a golfer. I am a golfer. I want to be at this event. Right? It doesn't matter yeah. who you are. And so once we finished that event, um, it turned out to be a ton of success. It was pouring like half an hour before the event was supposed to start. Cleared up and it had been a great night. And then we walked out to the end of the driving range and watched the fireworks from there. So it was a ton of fun. People kind of got an idea of what we wanted to create. And then we finished off this year with just a a golf tournament. But we have some things planned for next year that's uh, going to be a ton of fun. One of the cool – again, we'll touch on the golf study after because it sounds fucking awesome. It sounds like party golf. Yeah. Um, But you talked about a wooden hand. And this kind of is a good segue into your past. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Jordan's also a pretty big trainer in the city. He's kind of niched up a bit, which we'll talk about. But you had a career before this. This wasn't your first rodeo. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, kind of, you know, about the Huskies and stuff like that. I, I uh, played sports my whole life. Uh, basketball, football, all that sort of good stuff. And going into high school, um, I wanted to go play for the Huskies. Had a bunch of injuries kind of tied to that. So I didn't play really at all. Just kind of on the practice roster and things like that. And then, but before that, I was doing carpentry. So as I graduated high school, kind of just started going to that because I decided to play for the Huskies. And then after I kind of officially got injured, I knew that career was over. I was just like, oh, we'll just do some carpentry, I guess. <laughs> so I did that for close to eight years, got my ticket, Red Seal Journeyman Carpenter. And, uh, made you know. Wooden, made wooden hands. Yeah. Made, made, <laughs> for your yeah, golf yeah, society. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Learned how to do that. And uh, moved to Vancouver for a year, did some, I uh, was a site superintendent out there for a commercial company. And then eventually uh, moved back for about a year and a half and um, obviously still here and uh, just got to a point where it just wasn't, it wasn't passionate anymore. Well, and tell us a little about that. Cause I, I know the story, but like how, yeah. what was the exact moment when you just said, well, I don't want to say fuck it, but you, you, you changed pretty drastically. Yeah. It was one of those things for me. It's, it's always, I always consider myself a hard worker, lots of work, work ethic. And, and I got to a certain point where I would go to work and I wasn't passionate about, you know, not passionate, but I was 
found myself not wanting to get to work. I yeah. had that anxiety of having to go to work on a Monday morning and going to bed early and staying up later so I didn't have to go to sleep to go to work. And, you know, it's minus 30 degrees and I didn't, you know, want to get up and do yeah. all that sort of stuff. And I just found myself when I got to work, I wasn't my most efficient self. I wasn't putting in the work that I knew I could. And uh, it just got to a point where I was like, I knew this wasn't where I needed to be. And so I was trying to look back into different things. And I was kind of at that point where I know I've had a lot of conversations with people over the years. And, you know, some of you out there too were like, well, what should I do then? What am I passionate about? Um, and for me with sports growing up, sports was a huge part of my life ever since like grade two playing football. And I got to a point where I was like, well, I'm not going to play professional sports anymore. But what else is out there where I can still kind of be tied to sports and kind of be in that niche area? And I was like, well, personal training is a great way. You know, working with pro sports teams and things like that would be great. Uh, but again, that's kind of your way into it. So I had a buddy of mine uh, that owned a gym and I did some training stuff with him. And he's like, man, he's like, we think you'd be great for it. Uh, if you decide to do it, we'll hire you and we'll just get rock and rolling. So it was, so I was on my way home one day. Um, it was, a uh, yeah, I think it was in July, maybe even June. I took end of two, three, two or three months off, but it's called my boss quit right on the spot. Uh, I think I worked like another week and, uh, just call it that train or, uh, worked, uh, took two, three months off. Uh, ended up going the can't fit pro route just cause I wanted to kind of get into it. That's what I did too. Yeah. And we'll talk more on that. In a second. Yeah, totally. And I just kind of wanted to get into it and just immediately getting into it. And I had, I know I had the passion to kind of continue to grow my knowledge and, and I know the industry changes quite a bit and, uh, that's kind of how it all went about. Just kind of made it happen. It's kind of funny. Andrew and I have a very similar story, but like I was teaching and like, it was literally like, there was like a stick moment where I was like, I need to change how I do it. And I just, I transitioned a little slowly, but yeah. I totally understand. Like, like I was teaching and it was great. But it wasn't as good as it could be. And I knew that there was a bigger calling. And it's just, it's kind of funny because there's a lot of people I've met over the years that have the same fucking thing. Yeah. It's just like, I, I changed and just did it. Yeah. I don't want to say throw your whole dreams, like do your dreams and quit everything because there's mortgages and bills and all that. Yeah, but 100%. there is a transition and it, it well, follow it, your passion essentially. At, at some point you have to, you, you don't yeah. have to, but you'll be a lot happier. We're yeah. seeing, we're seeing a lot of that. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen, and I've ranted about this before, but you see a lot of kids coming out like 18, 19 years old and they're starting out in the fitness industry and every once in a while you get one of them really great. We had Michael Dietrich on here who was a friend of all of ours yeah. and Michael started this very young age, professional athlete pretty much, and yeah. then used that as a, a, tra a segue into his training career. He's one of the rare ones who excelled at an early age, whereas I actually don't feel a lot of these kids, these 20-year-olds, have enough life experience to... They might actually come in with some technical know-how and they can go to school for that yeah. stuff. I think uh, for a young person, a kinesi degree or a two-year NATE diploma is a really, really good approach. But for some of these kids getting you know, a, a CanFit Pro certification, which for guys like you and me who've been around a long time, yeah. athletic backgrounds, like a lot of in-the-gym time, is a really, really cost-effective and time-effective way to get certified. Totally. And if you're a lifelong learner, you will fill in the gaps. Oh, absolutely. Right? So that works really well. So if there's anyone listening to this who actually is thinking about the switch... Well, you can actually message us and we can have conversations about, yeah. you know, ideas where to go. But I'm still not sold on the idea that the industry works really well for, you know, really, really young people. And if your clientele are people in their 40s and 50s or 60s, sometimes a 20-year-old doesn't necessarily have a lot they can actually relate to for some of that older clientele. And those are often the people who have the financial resources to spend more money on this stuff. So I've seen a lot of kids come in excited, passionate, maybe not get the support that they needed from the, the commercial gym they're working at or whoever is is responsible for them and then wash out pretty quickly. And if they yeah. get a bad taste in their mouth the first go around, sometimes they don't come back or they lose that passion for it. 
When you were twenties, you could probably speak to that a little bit. Like your clientele is they're golfers. Generally, you have to have money because it's expensive. Yeah. The equipment's not super cheap. No. And to train for it, you have to be somewhat affluent. So, like, I'm sure your clientele is very much like that. And if you were 20 years old, they would tell you to beat it. Yeah, I guess to a point where, yeah, like, you know, I think there's some definitely validity to that point where it's like you have these life experiences as you grow and, and even just ways to be able to connect with your clients, yeah. right? Like, and I, I know, I know some, uh, some people that are, you know, kind of in their early twenties and want to get into it. And, and you kind of get to a point where it's like, you know, if you're just out, you're still not super confident in your, your experiences and, and things like that. It can be super intimidating if you don't have that support system from the gym or the club or the studio that you're at. Um, and being able to really connect with your clients on first off a life level, because yeah. that's where it ends up coming down to a lot of my golfers come to me because I specialize mm-hmm. in golf performance, but it ends up becoming about life. Yeah. You know, the conversations you can have and, and just different things based on that and that you can pull from, your own conversation or your own life experiences to pull, you know, into the conversations and just the training that you do with your clients. Right. There's a lot of the time when any trainer who has a semblance of knowledge can actually design a reasonable program. You'd be surprised how often that doesn't happen, but can design a reasonable program and tell someone here, you should eat this, but that's not coaching. That's, that's training. Sure. Like you can tell people all sorts of stuff, but effective trainers, effective coaches can bridge the gap to get someone who is struggling with those elements to actually make lifestyle changes, behavioral changes, buy into it, enjoy it, yeah. enjoy the relationship they have with you. Maybe it's you talking about, like, Dean, I'm sure you probably talk more about comic books than you probably talk about. Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, Game yeah, of Thrones, Thrones shit like that. Correction. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. totally with your clientele. But guess what? Punching if the dragons. they enjoy that interaction and they're coming back for that stuff, then they're there to do this physical stuff that they need to do anyway. And you slip in some nutrition. Well, I found, and I don't know how you have this, but with some of my clients, they see football player and assume I'm this big meathead dude that's going to talk about lifting weights all the times. And then I start talking about Spider-Man and board games and Catan and, and I get some buy-in just from some of the, some of the, the people just from the simple fact they, they did not see that coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you do other things? I'm like, yeah, I don't just play football. Like, I played, like, football fucking hurts. I'm done with football. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. Yeah, so, and I think that's a huge thing, being able to pull, you know, just be a real person and just the different things you can join, how you can tie that to, to what you do in the gym, right? That's huge. It's super important. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so... Uh, Let's see here. I'm muffing up a script question real good because we got uh, off track a little bit. But so tell us more about how you became niched up and known as Edmonton's go-to golf guy. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I did my CanFit stuff um, and was training for, I don't know, a year and a half or something like that. And then I went to a, a CanFit Pro conference actually in Vancouver and there was a, one of the lectures was uh, golf performance. So I'm like, perfect. I was like... I, uh, you know, I'm in the fitness industry, obviously I'm doing what I do, but I also play a lot of golf and I love golf. So I was like, this is the perfect niche. So the guy that was supposed to teach it wasn't able to make it Jason glass. And he's now one of my mentors. Um, and so it was good. The guy, the other guy who kind of filled in was part of a different company, but then I researched TPI, which is the Titleist performance Institute and they're the leaders in golf, health and fitness and technique. And so I did some research. They had a level one and two back to back in Vancouver um, I think it was the following year actually. And so I went to Vancouver. I was like, oh, I'll do level one, see how I like it. If I like it, I'll you know, just see if yeah. I can stay over for level two. And it was probably one of the most, uh, eye-opening fitness conferences I've been to. And even just, just the way they approach the body. Um, and one of the big things that one of the guys, Lance Gill said, he's like, we need to be surgeons in the gym. We need to be able to look at the body and every single time somebody moves, that's a chance to change 
kind of their life or their game, right? Looking yeah. at that extra 1% that can make them better. Uh, where a lot of people are like, oh, how can I change this? Be like, well, especially on the, you know, when you get to the pro level, there's this, this extra level that if we can just add this little bit, that can push them above everyone else. And so anyway, so I did the level one, level two, month and a half after. Every two years, they have a World Golf Fitness Summit. Um, they had that a month and a half after I did all that. Uh, and in the third level, which is only three levels. And I, so I was like, screw it. I was like, I'm all in. Let's you're make broke. This happen. You're broke now. And also <laughs> broke. And also broke. That, that costs a shit ton of money. I'm just doing it like 10 grand. Yeah. 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 More than that. Yeah. Okay. And so like, especially when you start traveling by yourself, we all know. Oh and yeah. And rent a car and, and combinations by yourself. No, but somebody want to shit you. Like you literally like Airbnb. somebody on the street. You guys want to share a hotel room? We're good. Yeah. No. Oh, Airbnb, Airbnb wasn't around then either. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Anyway. You're trying to find somewhere close to the conference or whatever. But anyways, so I crushed all three levels in two months. Um, and this was like, this is, this is it. Um, I know there was a big market in Edmonton. Edmonton has a huge golf market. Yep. And then obviously at that point too, this, I guess three years ago where the industry was starting to evolve even more and more and continually is today into the point where golfers need to move better, feel better and perform better. And there's more ways of being able to analyze that and measure that and, uh, and just making people feel better on the course. Well, in terms of like strength conditioning, like I was under the impression, and I, I will see your thoughts on it. Like, golf is kind of behind the curve in terms of including strength conditioning in the actual sport. So, yeah. like, why is that? And like, I guess you can kind of explain that. But how how do you help drive this movement to like bridge golf and performance and strength conditioning, similar to what they've done with football, soccer, hockey at this point, every other sport but golf? Yeah. Before like, Tiger Woods, I don't think anybody really paid attention to fitness within golf. At least we didn't hear about it too much. No. You know, most of them looked a little bit more like John Daly and Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Yeah. And they looked like guys going for uh, darts night at the pub versus these these fit lean guys. Mike Weir is a good example of someone who seemed to really take that stuff seriously. Yeah. So we'll speak on that. that. Yeah. Yeah. With some of that, I think, you know, not I think probably it's it's that team aspect side of things, right? With sports a lot of times. Yeah. And and then the physical aspect, you got soccer, you got basketball, you got football, whatever it is, you're running, you're, 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 there is physical side of it. And we know we have to be strong for that. With golf, you know, it's a individual sport. You know, people think, oh, I'm just swinging a club, right? It is what it is. But I think with what Tiger did when he got into it and then how much he was absolutely destroying the competition and how good he looked and how far he was hitting and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, technique plays a major role. Equipment plays a major role. But as we've seen over the last number of years with a lot of these guys that are coming out, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, who killed it this year, where these guys are lean and uh, athletes now and are performing well. Now, there's there's an there's – an, uh, I was proposed this question by one of my buddies, uh, Jeff Palazzaro from 18 Strong Podcast, and he was asking me with the, all these guys with how powerful and how far they hit the ball now, how is that going to affect their spine? Yeah. Do, not, do their careers now go from maybe 20, 30 – your careers to 10, 15 years. Well, the Which, answer right? is probably maybe because it depends on how yeah. the rotation is, we're how seeing, they move to the hips. We're seeing that dichotomy in a lot of sports. You see the increase in uh, UCL tears and Tommy John surgery in baseball. And I actually got a chance to ask Eric Cressy this over like a screen thing. And he's one of the world's leading experts in this. Yeah. But if you have younger and younger people throwing harder and harder because they're strength conditioning, well, is that one of the contributing well, factors you, to blowing out elbows well, in I hockey? Think, sort of, but it's, it just depends. Like if you have bad movement on top of adding these aspects that make them stronger, that's when you get the injuries. Because you could move perfectly, add power to the hips and your rotation, everything's good. Like they're not going to bust their back open. Or talk about hockey sure. and you have bigger, stronger, faster hockey players. What do we have? 
concussions are a bit more prevalent yeah, now too. Right. So yeah. you know, football. So you get greater interaction of physical forces, bigger people in so, those sports. Well, so going back to the original question with golf, as he asked, what's it doing to these guys' bodies long term? I mean, Tiger is all fucked up right now. So Yeah, and I think depending on who you talk to, everyone has their opinion on Tiger, right? <laughs> and you know, I have a good buddy of mine down in San Diego that feels like he could have fixed. Now he's very good at what he does. But it's, you know, it's uh it comes back to now just even it's one of those things where we're now kind of getting to that point where, you know, we're, you know, five, ten years in we're into these some of these guys' careers that maybe have been doing more fitness. Yeah. And it's kind of, let's see what happens. Yeah. Right? But obviously now you have to do intelligent training and be, okay, can we offset that? Because you definitely don't want to be building strength and power on top of dysfunction. Absolutely. And is there, again, for us, especially on the golf side of things, there's a certain amount of strength the golfer needs. We don't need the same amount that a football player, basketball player needs right yep. we need to create good solid function that they can withstand the schedule that they have and then be able to in, you know incorporate proper recovery techniques on their spine because of how much they're playing and swinging the club well and just in terms of some of our listeners like explain dysfunction in terms of what a golfer would experience and how do you kind of address that because i i know dysfunction but in terms of a golfer where what do you see and how have you kind of what are some things that they can do to fix it yeah, so for us, like with TPI, like which is what I'll follow quite a bit, and then I kind of play around with some of my own things, is we'll do a movement assessment similar to the F- um, FMS and SFMA, the functional movement screen, where we'll see what kind of limitations a golfer has, overhead, hip mobility, wrist mobility, things like that. So we have a specific assessment we'll take them through, and then we can show them how that directly affects the golf swing. And I think that's a big thing for us is once we go through that, we can kind of get a good idea of what they need to do and then yeah. put a proper plan in place, right? Um, it's a little bit different dealing with kind of like your everyday big, you know, uh, professional golfer to somebody that's 40, 50 uh, years old. Um, and so I think uh, with a lot of that stuff, it's it's making sure that you're doing things proper for them and how much they're playing well, in their lifestyle. Well, and what's the biggest... So, so you probably see a lot of the same shit over and over again. What's kind of the biggest problem or dysfunction that you kind of see and how, how do you address it or at least uh, yeah. start to address those well, i think a big thing for us is posture right okay. and we see that a lot just in general human life yeah um as i'm hunched over yeah exactly right we're, it's, we're <laughs> we just, both, we all, just, all three of us just sit straight up right uh is yeah. posture is a big thing um and creating again if we have too much internal rotation of our shoulders and we're slouching that's going to limit our ability to efficiently rotate so I believe that there is an efficient way for every single golfer to swing, but that is physically based on what we can do. Um, and so it's just really going through those things. So posture is a big one, making sure, you know, uh, shoulder mobility is good. And then a lot of times, like, even for me, it's hips, yep. right? And that interaction with the ground. It's teaching our golfers that, hey, once the, the feet are the first thing to interact with the ground and creating that ground force reaction that can deliver, obviously, you know, more power and distance and stuff on a golf swing. But again, the function of the hips. So we'll test hip mobility, which is huge. And that goes into your technique stuff. And and, well, from that. and it's funny because we do a lot of strength stuff at L2. And it, it's it's almost the same process. Like yeah. we're talking about d- different sports and different aspects of things. But it almost all comes down to the same thing. It's like feet, hips, posture, rotation. You could add core strength in there. But it's, we're yeah. almost talking the same language, just applied a little differently. Applied a little bit differently. It's having that, that direction of like, hey, you know, I know the golf. So I know golf versus basketball versus football there's the body moves in a specific way and we all kind of learn what that efficient way is and then it's applying it with different tricks and different things to the specific niche and to the specific sport which i think is super important to be able to have that understanding and then speak that language with my golfers too right is a big thing that was a big thing for me with being passionate about playing golf and playing golf and being decent at golf 
and then be able to translate that to my golfers. Is there, now that's a lot of like kind of fixing the things that are wrong to make people better. Now let's take it a little further. What are some common things that like someone who is a, a recreational golfer, even a serious one, can do in the gym or in fitness in general to now enhance what they're already doing well? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, balance is key, right? A lot of times you talk to a golfer, what do you want most? They want to hit the ball for most likely. Um, depending if you're working with a little bit of an older golfer, it's some pain, things like that. I want to be able to walk the course, but balance is key. If you can't balance and stabilize in a golf swing, you're not going to be able to hit the ball further. So a lot of times we say, you know, you know, working on deceleration training and things like that. But, you know, if we're to simplify, you know, it's, it's tough sometimes, but if you can just work on balance and stability, I call it joint integrity. So I'm going to look at how well your, your, your joints move and, and, and your kind of your posture, um, so even just working a lot on, on hip extension stuff, which is kind of de- hard to describe over kind of a podcast, but, um, we, you know, as somebody swings through the, the their follow through and, you know, we get a lot of golfers that will kind of have a, a front knee bend and they're not fully extending through their glute. So a lot of glute, you know, um, yeah. efficiency and things like that. But, um, you know, if they can work on, you know, hinging and proper, you know, proper posture, yeah. you know, they're going to feel better, move better. Well, if anybody's really seriously interested in this stuff specifically, and we'll we'll get all that info out at the end, but you know, people can follow you on your Instagram. Yeah. They can go to your website. They can actually get in touch with you. I mean, it makes sense if someone is really super serious about golf and they're actually looking for a fitness professional, they'd probably be kind of stupid not to at least knock on your door first. So, and that's yeah. part of the reason why we want to put you on here is yeah. so that way anyone who's listening who's in the Edmonton area, and I don't know if you do more distance stuff, I'm assuming a lot of stuff makes more sense in person so you yeah. can analyze it, but at the very least... You know, we want people to actually go and to speak to you, get in touch with you. And this is a way that, you know, people can actually work on their individual game. And there's only so much you can get from listening to someone speak on the topic on a podcast. Totally. And for me, like I'm a very, like as far as me as a coach, I'm a very visual coach. So I will look at somebody's movement and be like, hey, we need to try this. Let's move this and make adjustments on the fly and improvise. Um, So as far as, you know, what do people need? It's, you know, it's very individual. Once we get a kind of a look at them and take them through the assessments, we do power assessments too. So we can see, um, you know, how, what, if, you know, efficiency we have in that. We can sometimes even before I even see them swing a club, what their swing speed would actually be with these power tests, yeah. which is kind of fun to measure. So one well, and for his coaching style, he was talking about all this and he's moving his hips and throwing his arms back. <laughs> and so as far as like the golf guy, I think that we won't hammer on the point too much because it's really hard to kind of distinguish yeah. exactly a hip follow through because you'd have to watch Jordan and it's not on video but <laughs> I think that we've kind of hammered that a little bit yeah and yeah well for those of you well it's, it's, we're going to talk about the golf society here. Um, we're going to go back one of the big things you're an advocate of community so I think that that's one of the biggest things we want to touch on yeah your tagline you go right to a site it's big and bold community golf performance What's your idea behind this and like, how are you going about creating community? Cause I know we're locally here and your big name in terms of doing some of the stuff community wise. And how do you go about that? And what's your method and why your, why? I guess with why I get, for me, it just excites me. I, I love getting, I know what it's like for me to, you know, we just came from the second annual YG industry night. Yeah. And when you start meeting with people and connecting with people, whether you know them or not, or get connected or, or meet through other people, the different things that can happen with, you know, getting into a conversation, getting different perspective from somebody else or whatever it is can be life-changing. Um, and I think once we see the value in that, it ends up being a lot of fun. And so with the, with the community side of things, like I started doing a, this second year I did it, a free stair workout is every Wednesday in the summer. 
at 6 p.m. Whoever wanted to show up, we did the Glenora Stairs, or not the Glenora Stairs, sorry, the Westridge Stairs on the west side. And it was one of those things where it's just getting people together and, and connecting them. And I think it becomes a lot of fun, become, you know, people pushing each other, meeting new people. And I think I actually saw from last year, there's two people that met there that are now dating. Right. So, yeah. So things like that. I was like, I saw it on Instagram. I was like, you guys didn't know each other before that, but it's just cool where you can get these people together. Like shit. It's so all you. Gotta, you you got to go get ordained and be, you know, to get <laughs> married and like do the vows. For I them. won't go that far. I won't go that far, but well, and I always wanted to know like, so Jordan Instagram stories, a lot of this, and we'll touch on that a little bit. Did you actually do the stairs with them? <laughs> Cause I'm thinking like you're waking up at six, you got the music playing. Like, are you doing the stairs? Are you just yelling at them. You know what? There was yeah, I, I, I did do the stairs. I did do the stairs. I did do the stairs. There was times where I had I have some knee stuff going on, so there was times where I yeah. didn't do them as much. But uh, no, for the most part, I, I crushed the stairs with them too because it was a good. There was a lot of times where you know that was usually Wednesday nights were my free night to have off. Yeah, and so there was times where I'm like, man, I didn't want to go. But again, just having that community of people there pushed me. And once I crushed it and we crushed it together, I was like, fuck, I'm glad I, we made it happen, and it was it was a blast, right? I just saw those and I was like, I love community and doing stuff, but like you pick the worst thing to do because stairs are so hard and those stairs are hard. Oh, and they're the, like, the worst set of stairs. Yeah. Like yeah, and for anyone not from Edmonton, they're just like, there's different varying levels of heights and angles and there's so <laughs> many of them. It's like, it like goes down their whole river valley and it's just, I don't know. Good for you, man. I, I would pick a different event like a golf society. Yeah. That's 100%. a lot easier and you can drink and play golf. Well, actually have to, we'll, we'll have to make a point of getting out to that. We'll do that. Yeah, because you can drink and play golf. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to go to the pub crow one. Yeah, we'll set, <laughs> one, up. We'll we'll set one up in the wintertime. It'll be good. So with this community that yeah. has sprung up from all this, how has this now helped you professionally? How has that yeah. come back around to benefit you? And what are you able to do as a result of it? Well, I think I think with us as fitness professionals, there's a dime a dozen now, right? So yep. it's, it's finding a way to set yourself apart, be able to niche down. And golf was one of those ways. It just so happened to me that I am a golfer and love to golf. So that was perfect. And there was no one else in the city doing it at the point when I did it. Um, and so as far as now, just I, I enjoy being around people um, and I enjoy making fun videos and different things like that. So it just kind of came to a point where, um, you know, you, you start documenting it, throwing it up there and it gains traction. Who knows what connects with people, right? Um, especially, you know, social media can be harsh as well, but with community stuff, um, once people saw that you're continually out there doing different things and at different events, it's, it's, uh, it's that kind of law of attraction where they continue to see well, it's that, that nine point touches, right. Where all of a sudden it's like, all of a sudden when they want to, uh, come train and do different things, they may think of me or somebody else if they continue to see them on, uh, on social media. We're so. going to pause for a second there. You guys just heard a dog I don't know I don't there. know we have no idea where that came from I don't know that it's close was, to Halloween that was like literally there's a phantom dog barking the thing so hopefully everybody said, heard that or else they're gonna think we're insane to, to, like, <laughs> to touch on that so um, like you have a thing one of the things that I remember you told me a story about this Jordan always goes on his videos his Instagram videos and he acts like he didn't know what the fuck someone was recording <laughs> him Tell me this. Do you remember the story about, I think it was a news broadcast or something. Somebody you like didn't think actually watched any of your shit and he comes up to you. He's like, oh, I didn't see you there. Oh, yeah. So, um, it's hard without context, but it's, it's kind of funny. Essentially, what happens is he takes an Instagram story and then he, he looks at it. He's like, oh, he looks all surprised. Oh, he he's didn't like, see you there. He can't, came out of nowhere, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it, it stemmed from, so I was last summer, I was at, uh, 
uh, I was at a, a weekend workshop and one of the big things was, again, trying to set yourself up apart. And so when I train with my clients, I like to have a lot of fun, I like to joke around. And I'm like, well, why aren't, why isn't my social media showing that side of me? Right. Yeah. And I think it's important to be professional and things like that and providing good content, but let's, let's have some fun with it. And there was, uh, there was some guys on that were from San Diego. At that point, they were called Cali Spine. They're now called Move You. And you, I start, you know those guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, they're awesome. They're hilarious. They're, the best. they're crazy, right? <laughs> and so I started following them, like 1,200 followers, and now they have like 300,000. But like they were informative, they had yeah. good content. They're funny. But they're hilarious. Funny as hell. Yeah. Go at Move You. Yeah. I think it's at Move You. Yeah. At Move You. At Move You will find them. Tons of great content, but hilarious and super engaging. Just kind of package it in a different way. And I think that's the thing. There's there's no new content out there. No. You know, and it's about packaging it and then, you know, reaching your demographic or whoever you want to to reach in a certain way and being genuine about that and authentic about it. And even on this event, so Anthony and I, my business partner at L2, is like people kind of knew what we were doing on Instagram, but they followed our stories because we do a bunch of gym shenanigans where I just fuck with him and he fucks with me but we try to make jokes and make it funny because essentially that's what we are day to day and yeah. you don't see that if you just put out the best of everything because right. it just looks like you're super professional you always do this but like oh, i like to have fun i make jokes yeah i played on a team and did a bunch of shenanigans like yeah. i could do those things and i think that showing that side of you and maybe you can touch on this is is key to kind of creating your character your overall persona because if you're just professional jordan all the time you don't you're just not that personal well and i think like, you, you touched on it when you said you talk about you know uh spider-man and, yeah. and board games and things like that so if you can start to show that side of you who you are now that's the the, the beauty of having instagram and facebook so accessible to everybody is that now people are like oh i like that stuff i like doing that right and they see you kind of doing stuff like that on instagram or whatever that's when they'll think of you when they want to you know yeah. use your services or whatever it is right and i think that's a huge part of it so it's about showing you know who i am personally as a human being and also providing good content, and there's some things that I'm going to change and, and add. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing is be you. Just put out, you know, who you are, and people will be attracted to that, and you're going to reach those people that uh, that you need to. Well, so. I think people can see through shit that's not real. Like I think your last video, you were you were showing some exercises you could do on the golf course, and you're like you got your buddy to bring you out a tennis ball and yeah, shit. Yeah. Like, but stuff like that that's funny also works. Yeah. But like that brings out like you're still golf, you're still you and you can still have fun on the golf course. It doesn't have to be all serious. Well, and like I said, like with especially with the golf side of things, because people yeah. do think it's serious, right? And Absolutely. that's the biggest thing that I think what's, what's cool about kind of the direction some of the golf stuff is going now as well is it's becoming a lot more fun. Yeah. The European tour is doing some great stuff um, with some of the golf pros and seeing the lighter side of these guys that are so serious throughout the week and, and weekend. Um, so it's cool to see that. And once you can start to relate to those people... That's when you're like, okay, I trust that person a little bit more. I can relate to them. I want to hang out with them and or, you know, emulate them or whatever it is. No one wants to hang out with Andrew. <laughs> yeah, because I'm too serious on my you're social media joking. stuff. Joking. <laughs> no, it's actually true. I, I listen to these guys going all this goofy shit and and follow Dean and Anthony Harder just just for their antics because it is really funny stuff. And I'm just like yeah, I couldn't. If I tried to be goofy, everybody look at me and be like, "What the fuck Man, are you doing?" Like, it, it wouldn't if, even come. If off I as told authentic. you how to use an Instagram sticker, you'd be like, "What the fuck is that?" And I can make your face an acorn. Yeah, no. Like, no. but what Andrew does, what I love about it again, like it's it's owning who you are. Right? Absolutely. So what Andrew, you know, he's great at articulating what he needs to say, and I love that. And you're gonna get you know, people reading that, and be like, "Oh, that was super informative. That's what I needed to know." And, and if I think it, that's huge, and if it's not you, don't do it. Like that's, I think people and, read through that. If you try to be 
me or you try to be Jordan, like if you no. try to swing a golf club like Jordan, and Jordan's not even the best golf club swinger in in the city. There's no way. No, not no. Even close. There's way better you, golfers than me. You would look you would look horrid. They'd be like, You're not the golf guy, you're Jack, man. I've got to <laughs> like, go about it differently. I'll just show pieces of real life and that tends to work too, because like then at least people who are following get a little bit of a sense of who you are. Because yeah, if all I ever present on my social media was this very very polished professional, and it's not always like that, but this yeah. this polished stuff that didn't seem to have a lot of personality outside of just pure fitness, well, it wouldn't be very interesting either. So yeah, like I'll try to put up stuff that's going on in my life. And and then my cat, Ozzy, he just does a bunch <laughs> of weird shit. So uh, if I can catch him, him on camera doing some of that stuff, well, thing he is, makes up for where here, I'm not a goofy Here's person. the crazy thing. I love dogs. Dogs are the best. Jordan would agree. You won't <laughs> agree because I think cat people are weird, but cat people are weird. And they love cats, and there's a lot of weird people. I think if you went a little bit more that direction, at least in the stories, I bet you get people. Like, cat cat memes are the big thing. Well, it's oh, worked yeah. really well for Tony General Course, so. Well, the, I, I'm, I'm dead serious. Go on Reddit. Like, it, they have a whole section just for cats. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> Reddit, the, ass, the asshole of the internet. Yeah, I'll pass on that. So, <laughs> Man, that could be you. You could be the cat guy. No shit. Let's shift a little bit. Uh, you'd love to talk about mindset, yeah. uh, both performance and life. Uh, tell us a little bit about your mindset coaching with your clients. Yeah, I think it's that evolves. And it evolves, I think, a little bit as, as you yourself evolve and uh, create some self-development, things like that. And what I'm trying to create now, um, you know, I've been going through some changes over the last couple months since the summer. I'm kind of settling some things down a little bit. So getting to a point now with my with my clients and to to view their body kind of in a different way um, and just kind of think of it as a project, right? What can I do now to kind of move better, feel better, and perform better on a daily basis? And it's not always about you know uh, losing. When people think fitness, they think about losing weight and burning calories, and that's fantastic. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But for me, I want them to think function first. How am I moving today, um, and how that can that translate? So. Um, and then my big, my big mantra, I guess, for me for this year, and it kind of continuing going forward is to be able to realize my full potential. So for me, if we have, if we continue to get better each day in our life, family, career, fitness, that is going to grow the, the amount of potential that we can grasp. But the great thing about that is you get better, your potential increases and you continue to have something to chase. And so if we can change that mindset versus like, oh, I just want a good sweat today or whatever. And you kind of sometimes go in those in and outs of, of gaining that motivation, but we can kind of create something a little bit more tangible to it. Obviously, we all, you know, all heard the, you know, why are you here and things like that. But if we can kind of break the body down into different pieces of projects where, okay, like I have one client right now where, you know, she wanted to start getting into lifting and, and kind of getting kick-ass workouts and stuff like that, but her core wasn't where it needed to be. So we need to really break things down. And so the last four weeks, we've been, you know, having to work on a bunch of stuff at home, a bunch of stuff in, 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 the, in the studio. And now we finally got to some back squats where we could finally kind of put that piece together. And she was so excited to be able to get there and just how strong she felt. It was like, okay, sweet. So that first part was our first project. Here's our phase one, whatever you want to call it. And now we're on to phase two. Here's our second project. And so if you can work kind of that mindset where, you know, this is not a get fit quick scheme. This is a constant. And the same thing with my golfers is a constant improvement of of who we can be in the gym personally and then how can that translate to outside of your life and your career and having those conversations with with clients that you know are going through different things in their own lives and being able to um you know 
I don't, by no means am I a life coach because I got my own <laughs> shit, right? We all do. But I feel, you know, getting that different perspective. I'm huge on perspective, whether from friends, for myself, or even giving to them, where it's all of a sudden, you know, we'll just do it. And even, even in the mindset of, you know, especially with my female clients and just getting them to lift strong and be like, well, let's try it. You know, I feel like your your body's where it needs to be to be able to attempt this. I'm not going to put you in a situation where I, I feel like you can fail when all of a sudden something happens and they lift it or they do a certain movement or exercise. I'm like, shit, I was able to do that. I'm like, yeah, you were. That was badass. And now you've just, you kind of broke through that mindset for them that they couldn't do it. And now it's like, okay, excuses off. You know, let's make this happen. And uh, it's cool to see that change. Life coaches. Oh my God. Fuck. <laughs> is that a trigger no. warning here? No, 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 no. no. It, it is now. Like just, I, I've worked with people who brand themselves as life coaches and it's like, oh God, give me a break. First of all, if you aren't at least 30 years old, yeah. with some life experience. sorry, man, Kelly, man. sorry, Kelly Jean, all 22 years of you, you don't know anything about life to be life coaching anyone else. But I just think that first of all, yes, we get involved in our clients' lives and we yeah. do a lot of really serious positive things for it, but I've always disliked the brand notion of I'm going to be someone's life coach. I, I would say more as a personal training yeah. being a life coach. As a personal yeah, training yeah, being a life coach. Yeah. In fact, I think the whole concept of being a life coach is a crock of bullshit anyway. Well, and that's the difference. Because, and I think pseudoscientific nonsense is new age woo type. Crap well, that's the, I think that's the difference between a life coach and like coaching mindset because like mindset's a performance aspect. Like if you if you looked at anything we've done with football, it's like visualization. Like a, a lot of the best professional athletes, they would visualize, yeah. and if you can kind of change that script with them, like. I don't know. As a coach, I think that's a huge point. Like, you don't have to be their whole lifestyle coach. Like, what, what, what the fuck am I going to tell a 40-year-old golfer about, like, money? Like, he's already, he's got it made. Well, and a lot of these life coaches, these the trainers that I, I encountered personally who are branding themselves more as a life coach. And this is not a knock on all of them. But one, I found that those trainers tended to be very weak on the technical science in the, in the first place. Actually being good physical coaches. Two, they weren't necessarily great with the nutrition side of stuff. So they kind of gravitated to having these conversations with people to enhance their lives. Now, the other thing I've noticed, and it's not universal, but in the cases that I've seen personally, these people who are bred themselves as life coaches, probably not only do they need themselves a very, very skilled life coach, perhaps they could use a good lobotomy because these are not people who have their own shit together and have no credibility whatsoever to be giving anyone else life advice. Maybe it's just, and this is anecdote, not evidence-based, but maybe it's just I've seen enough of it to look at it and go, this is complete bullshit. And I, I just can't endorse well, people paying money for someone who brands themselves first and foremost within personal training as a, quote, life coach. Now, right. someone may listen to that and be like, oh, life coach. I'm offended. Maybe you should, you, you deserve a good dose of offending. But if you're actually really great at what you do, then you're the exception. You're exactly what I'm not talking about. I think, I think with, you know, yeah, branding yourself as a life coach, uh, you know, I don't know the, you know, if there's, you know, education and things like that that go into it, I'm sure there is. But I think, oh, yeah, the, there's a, there's a two day certification my old company used to do <laughs> in life coaching, level one and level two. Because really? that that oh yeah. I, I'm learning things. I never I, I never took that bullshit. I thought that like hell no. No, but I think I think with us we all we all communicate and connect and, and really in the end I think you know depending on what side of you are we're also in a relationship business too, um, where you know the conversations that we do have with our clients can impact them and obviously yeah like your your own personal experiences and your own personal knowledge and perspective, um, you know is different for everyone and how you can relate that to your client. 
And so everyone's going to be different at that. But yeah, branding yourself is, is that is, is when, a little bit When I think they're two different things, I think Andrew's talking about people who like literally are lifestyle coaches and then coaching adding the mindset adding the lifestyle stuff into it because that's conversation like you you've yeah you we, you you are a lifestyle coach but you're all, not a lifestyle yeah, coach quotation we all marks. do this sort of stuff in fact you're talking about mindset i mean i spend tons and tons of time on a lot of these life mindset conversations but i'll be damned before i ever use the term no I describe yeah. myself as a life coach so yeah that's fine that'd be yeah. selling your soul a little bit oh absolutely <laughs> well i mean it is the fittest devil you know podcast after all so. um one thing I wanted to touch on, you talked about mantras, and I did my research. If not me, then who? If not now, then when? And yeah. that's 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 your is that your favorite? That's a that's a big one. Other yeah. than kind of like realizing your like your your kind of full potential. Like, that one came to me. I was watching a hockey game, and it was actually they zoomed in on a uh, one of the players' hockey sticks. I can't remember whose it was, and that's what was on two of his sticks. That's what was on his tape. Hmm. And I was like, it just was something that hit me. And that was, that's kind of guided me over the last couple of years, especially with the golf society stuff, where if, if it's not going to be me, then who's it going to be? Right. And if I don't do it now, then who's going to do it? And these are certain things that I wanted to see happen. Um, and I wasn't just going to wait to sit by and see if somebody else happened to do it. And they'd be like, oh, sweet, I can do it. And, you know, and it's tough to do it. You, you put on different events or whatever you want to accomplish in life. But in the end, it's about having that mindset to kind of push through and and create something that you know where, you want to create. Where did so you saw that? Did is that pretty much where it stemmed from? Like you saw that you're like, "Fuck, I should start doing that." Or were you always doing that in some form or fashion? Uh, I think some for, form of fashion. You know, when we read books and and listen to podcasts and things like that, just you know, certain wordages or just the way they're they're put together, all of a sudden, like, ah, shit, like. You know, it's something that you maybe always deep down knew, but all of a sudden presented in a different way. You're like, it just hits you, right? Happens all the time. Well, it happens all, you know. So I read that even even doing my research reading that and like I kind of did that intuitively, especially with my career change, similar to you. And it's just like, even with this podcast, I'm listening to the podcast. I'm like, fuck, I could do that. No one doing it in Edmonton. No one connecting a lot of the people that were at that event, but connecting them in a way where other people in the city can hear that. I'm like, it's fuck, a, let's just do it. It's yeah. a concept like, called the Blue Ocean. So I don't oh. know if you guys have heard of this stuff, but I have there's of, a couple books on it, Blue Ocean Strategy, and there's uh, another one, which I forget the name, and I actually have on my, uh, my coffee table. So it's about going into markets or ideas or concepts where there isn't a lot of competition. So you as a personal trainer, I mean, that's a pretty heavily saturated industry. We have more commercial gyms than ever, more boutiques, more studios, more young trainers coming out certified than ever. But you were the first guy in the city to go really hard according to the golf. You found a blue ocean because you were completely unique in that aspect. So you took a highly competitive industry and you took a step out into something that there was no competition, right? And yeah. now as the first guy in, it's not always a universal advantage, but you're so far ahead of anyone else trying to catch up to you that you have that brand, you have that niche. Right. So you're set up in a blue ocean, right? Yeah. Whereas the red ocean concept is just diving into this bloody minefield of yeah already saturated industries and trying to slug it out. Maybe, just maybe, you'll rise to the top and be one of the best at what you do. And yeah, sure, people still do that stuff. But it actually is a lot easier to differentiate yourself, step out into a realm where you actually are kind of alone in that. And part of that becomes figuring out, okay, well, 
what can I do that people are going to be interested in that no one is serving that market yet? Well, I wish we'd have you figured, did it really I well. wish we'd have figured it out. Anthony, I, I were talking, my business partner were like, fuck, we should have did golf. You got to go hang out. People pay you to golf with them. <laughs> you got to teach them how to golf. You got to go golf. You got to drink beers. I'm like, this sounds great. And you get paid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you picked. I don't know if you meant to do that. But well, it's pretty, it, it, worked it, out pretty it comes well. from, you know, it comes from, you know, I think it's <laughs> cliche saying it now, but it comes from my passion, right? So, yeah. But again, you, you, yeah, it just came from a point where, you know, I was like, I golf. I'm a personal trainer. I can combine both because of the certifications that are out there and the way that the game is now growing. Mm-hmm. So, it's, yeah, it's kind of hitting that on that curve, that upward curve, right? Which I think, you know, in any business, any startup, you know, whatever it is that you're doing is always important. But it's not, you know, the limiting factor because it's, you know, in the end, how you connect well, and and how early was that in like, and I know we, I, I can't remember, maybe we did reach that, but like you started, you, you switched careers, started training. How quick did you get into golf after that? I guess that was about two years. Oh, so you, you, you did training for two years. Yeah. I was already training for two years before. And then you, you saw, you went which, to that camp. Which I respect because that gave you foundational experience and foothold. You can't just jump in and be like, oh, now I'm the golf guy. And wait a minute, dude, you just got your cert literally yesterday. So but in the, you actually paid your dues and worked really hard to get to that point. Yeah, but in, in the end, for me, it's it was also when I got my certifications, it was enough that I was like, I immediately, even though when I, once I got my level one, I came home and I emailed the pros in the city. Yeah. I was like, well, hey, wise. I'm a TPI, so on and so forth. Possibly, yeah, I was passionate about what I did and now I had some knowledge. Obviously, that's grown since then, but... I probably had no business reaching out to those guys. <laughs> but right? you know what? What did you have to lose? It's like us and like, I'll keep it under wraps, but I, yeah. Yeah, a couple days ago, I sent out a few messages to some people I'm acquainted with and to appear on the podcast. And guess what? They're all excited and they said yes. And we could have just said, nah, they'll never do it and they never try. So, and what I refer to is like, you're can fit pro. And then all of a sudden, yeah, a week yeah. later, you're the, you're the golf guy. Yeah, totally. 100%. You, yeah. you went all in with the, the golf certifications. And the trip down to San Diego, that's different. I mean, you're already totally. mortgaged yeah. there completely yeah, yeah, yeah. go yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a blast since then. It's something I'm going to continue to grow towards. I'm going to San Diego on Thursday to, to do another recertification, just kind of get a, you know, audit a course, just to kind of get a refresher because con- some content has changed and the industry's changed a little bit and just kind of continue to be in better, you know? Well, that's another thing that a lot of people in our industry don't necessarily do as well as they should is that continuing education aspect. Like yeah. You're flying down to San Diego to just brush up a little bit. That's proactive. That's wanting to be on the top of the game so that way no one else catches up to you and passes you at what you do best yeah. in the city. Whereas, again, I'll, and I know a lot of trainers listen to this, so I hope that anyone who's taking the time to listen to this, they're also the types who are going to work on their education a bit. You know, guys, keep reading books, keep doing certification courses. Well, not more certs because that's kind of bullshit too, but do courses, do things that'll expand your knowledge in directions that'll. Well, a perfect example is I had a conversation tonight at this event that we're talking about, and one of the questions was like, should I go to school for two years? Should I get the CanFit Pro? Like, where's my time best spent? And I was like, get your certification quickly and go invest your money in like seminars and learn from pros, yeah. go shadow people. I'm like, I had, and I think we talked about this, I had a whole teaching degree. I didn't learn shit till I started teaching. Yeah. And like, I didn't learn shit in training. Well, I, 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 I kind of worked my way into that, but like I, you learn on the job, you learn by making mistakes, you learn by shadowing, you learn by going to seminars and listening to smart fucking people. Totally. Cause like school is cool. And you're... then like there's the actual industry and learning from the best. If you're if you're listening to this and you actually are thinking about you really have a very limited background in 
fitness in general and not a lot of knowledge, well, guess what? A, a really quick and dirty certification like Canfit Pro that we hold, no, that's that's not going to cut it. You're just simply not going to be anywhere near prepared. You could look at something like Elevated Learning Academy's ACE certification, which is actually really good. That's more extensive. And if you're really young and you know what, you got a couple of years to spend in school, actually, you know what, the NAEP program isn't actually a really bad choice at all. And then the other option is the four-year Kines degree. Again, if you're a 17, 18-year-old kid or someone in your life is that route, going and getting that university degree is going to be pretty versatile. And maybe they start out as a personal trainer, but it opens up the route to potentially go on and be a physiotherapist and some other cool stuff. Yeah, so they get all it's, the... It's totally situational depending on where you are in your life. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a big thing, right? And, you know, I know for me in my kind of my mid, later 20s, I guess, when I decided to do this, I was like, yeah, I don't feel like going to school for yeah, two years. I'm right ready. Now. Wouldn't have <laughs> right? made any to, sense yeah. for us to do that. Right? So... Yeah. Um, Let's just kind of finish off with some of this mindset stuff. Just like, what are some take-home messages for our listeners? So listeners, not clients, that they can use in their life just in terms of mindset and how can they apply that to their training? So something specific, something usable. Yeah, I don't know. I think for me, it's it's about creating, you know, goals are super important. But again, we have to look at our habits and our behaviors. Right? If our behaviors and our habits don't match up with our goals, we can have these big, like, you know, super inspiring goal setting sessions with friends or whatever. You listen to Tony Robbins and I love Tony, but then it's like, okay, sweet. Love Tony. Yeah. Love <laughs> Tony. Great guy. And, uh, but then, well, how do I apply that? Right. How do I make that happen? So I think you have to look at your behaviors day in, day out. And what am I doing each day that's going to help me get to that next point? And so one of the good, one of the, one of the quotes I like too that came from, uh, my mentor, Jason Glass was, did your stock go up today? So looking at the end of each day, did I get better? And it's okay, I think, that if it didn't, right? The other day, I, I you know, I had a shitty weekend and I was just <laughs> hanging out, catching up on TV and whatever. I was telling one of my clients this. I was like, man, my stock probably went down 10%. But I'm back on board and we're going to make it happen. So at the end of each day, did my stock go up today? Look at your behaviors each day and, you know, are they lining up with your goals? Are they making it happen? And I think everyone's a little bit different on how they can, well, how do I get my behaviors the way I need them to be or whatever it is. And I think when you're creating new habits, I think it's everyone's a little bit different. Absolutely. I like starting slow. I like starting, you know, just getting in, um, you know, if I want to start doing more reading, some people need to start by reading a page a night. That's it. Slowly building up from there, whatever it is, right? So look at your habits. Are they lining up with what you want? If you don't know what you want, then, um, you know, just really think about the different things in your life that what make you happy and, um, and start to work towards some of those things. And I think that'll all um, kind of flow in the end. One of the big things for me is kind of is executing, right? So looking at what you want um, and just executing that for, you know, six months, um, three months, a year or whatever, and see what kind of opportunities can arise from that at the end of the day. So you don't necessarily need to know what you want to have for the rest of your life. But if you have some ideas or plans over the next three, six months to a year, just own that as much as you can, and you never know what kind of opportunities can arise from that. You pretty much just described uh, one of my favorite books, The Slight Edge, by yeah. a guy named Jeff Olson. So my guess is you probably haven't even read that. I book, haven't even read it. No, and yet you just described it. He wrote so it. It's on a daily basis. Metaphor for regularly, it could be literally daily. Yeah. You, what he says is read ten pages of good literature. That's going to be self educational literature, or invest, or get to the gym or workout, and it's just on a daily basis doing all these little habits that they don't feel like much and they're not going to guarantee instantaneous overnight success, but cumulatively over a longer period of time. And I'm yeah. really just paraphrasing what you said here. Yeah. Over that long period of time, those habits add up to be something that you have an enormous amount of momentum. And 
it leads to this long-term success. Yeah. So that's exactly what you're just saying. So that compounded yeah. interest that, you know, when, exactly. when compounded yields massive results. And I think that's huge. I think um, I'm hearing this. I want to see more of it, Jordan. Put it out there. You got, some, you got some good mantras. Like I'm listening to something, man. I I want to get my stock up. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna steal. Uh, I won't steal it, but I'll, I'll use it. Hey, use it as well. <laughs> it's like um, Mike Boyle says. When I listened to him speak a couple years ago, and he's like, "Man, like we're not like recreating new shit here." He's no. like, "When I put content out there, steal the shit out of it and just repackage it in a different way, right?" Well, and he he says that a lot. He's like, "Man, it, it's all been done." He's like, "I'm not a university student. Like I'm just stealing shit from people and yeah. repackage. Like it's awesome." Totally. No, I, I like that goal of it, but where can, this is funny, where can our listeners find you on social media? This is funny because you, his account got hacked, so he has a new one. So this is actually perfect. So yeah. if people are looking for you on social media, they are not looking at your old account. They're going to look at your new one. Where Where is that? Where can they find you on Facebook? How did they become part of Golf Society? Yeah, so uh, Instagram now is just jeske, J-E-S-K-E underscore golf life. Um, the golf society, the golf society underscore YEG on Instagram as well. I also have that on Facebook. You can follow me just Jordan Jeske on Facebook right now. Um, I'm kind of in the process of rearranging a few things yeah. after everything kind of got shut down with, uh, IG and stuff and some other projects that I have on the go over the next couple of months. So just kind of well, stay tuned, follow along. And, and Jordan, for those of you who don't know, he's, he's moved into a place of his own. So he's, he has his own spot. He's kind of has a space with trainers and check him out because essentially he's, he's kind of on his own. He's got a pretty sweet space. We, we, we were actually neighbors. Yeah. We're neighbors in business. Neighbors in business. Um, Collaborate. Um, one last thing. What, what do people need to be part of golf society? Like, is it, is there a, a certain requirement they have to be or is everyone welcome? Everyone's welcome. We want to, especially next year, we want to make it, we were kind of had a lot of stuff was more based around kind of, I guess the, I don't want to say partying, but yeah. kind of around that. But next year um, we want to create some family events and different things like that. So whether you're a non-golfer, uh, golfer, guy, girl, doesn't matter. Um, we want you to come out. Stay tuned to some of those events. We're going to be uh, setting up our 2018 schedule here in the next couple of months. Sounds amazing. Yeah. So once again, we bring people like Jordan onto this podcast so that way you guys can gain access to them. So seriously, follow his content, especially if you're interested in golf. It's pretty much the best resource you're going to get at very least locally. And support the people that we are bringing on as guests because we want to share them with you. We're trying to bring the people who we feel have the most skill, professionalism, integrity in this city and beyond to your doorstep. If you're a fitness professional listening to this stuff, these are people you need to follow because you're going to learn a lot of really positive things that you can take into your own career by seeing what people like Jordan and we've had past guests like Michael Dietrich or Alfred Jong, uh, the free fitness guys, Dean Somerset what they've all done really, really well and what has led to their success. So take it seriously. Go follow him on uh, on his social media stuff. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us tonight, especially after you guys had that uh, <laughs> Yeg uh, fitness party. We had an event. Yeah, we made friends. <laughs> it's uh, what quarter after 11 p.m. here at Edmonton. That's good. And uh, this was a lot of fun. So thanks yeah. so much. Well, Appreciate and one of the big things and I want to touch on is that we will be available on iTunes as of today. So we do this for free. We kind of want to put out Good oh, yeah. content, good free content. So the if, if you liked what you heard, give us a five-star rating, drop a review for us. Like that'd be much appreciated. But other than that, like yeah, thanks for search me. search for us as the fitness devil podcast. We uh it's just shortened for the fitness devil, you know, which is technically our name. There's sort of a story behind why we had to shorten it a little bit, but uh that's where you can find us on on uh, iTunes. Yeah. So give us a five-star right. review. Like you said, thanks. Take Keep it easy. Change in the game. Yeah. Take it easy.